How many of you uh, made New Year's uh, resolutions? You guys make, uh, nobody in here made, hey, the best way to succeed is lower your standards, right? Like, I mean, let's just get it out there in the open. That's, uh, that's great. Uh, did anybody pick a word for the year? That seems to be uh, really popular. Uh, we do that in our house. My wife's family does that. And so we do that in our house. Uh, I think it was last year. Uh, I didn't even ask permission to share this. Last year, we were talking about developing words for the year. And one of our girls said to Stephanie, Mom, your word of the year should be stop yelling at us so much. And it was just, it was a little odd because she's not the yeller. And so it was like, if mom yells, somebody has done something tragic. Uh, And so, but I don't know what your tradition is, whether you're making New Year's resolutions, you're making goals for this year, or if you have developed a word for the year, but uh, I just, I'm excited to be able to share uh, the first Sunday of the year. And as Randy asked me about this several weeks ago, about coming up and sharing for this week and next week, I was just trying to figure out what, what's the best place for us to start as Christians? What's the best place for us to be as Christ followers? Where should we be starting the year? And I thought of Joshua chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. Now what's happening here in Joshua chapter 1 is is that Moses has died. Great place to start, Justin. Good idea. Moses has died. Israel's longtime leader here. Led them out of Egypt towards the promised land. Moses has died, and now there is a commissioning of Joshua as the new human leader for Israel. And if we go back to the very beginning of Joshua chapter 1, we see that God, in his conversation with Joshua, gives Joshua three promises as he's about to lead Israel. Promise number one comes in verses 2 through 4. It's the promise of land. Right, Go into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. There's the promise of land. And then then we have in verse 5 a promise of victory. God gives Joshua a promise of victory. No man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. And then in the second half of verse 5, there is the promise that is greater than any other promise. It is the promise of God's presence. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be. With you, I will not leave you or forsake you. There are three promises of land and of victory and of God's presence that will propel Joshua forward into what God has in store for him and for Israel. And then we arrive in our passage today, Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. This is what God's word says Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is God's word. Isn't that a good spot to start? Like, I was just like, man, that's, that's a good spot to start. You see, today, today I want to talk about resilience. I think it's safe to say that the phrase get back to normal is not really a reality, nor do I think it's something we should chase down. I've spent many of my conversations over the last 22 months using that phrase. I can't wait to get back to normal. But here's something that I've been learning that God has been continually growing in me and teaching me is that you cannot drive a car forward while only looking in the rearview mirror. You see, when our focus is entirely on what we've lost, on on what we've missed out on or left behind, we cannot simply be prepared for what God has in front of us. Too many of my sentences, too many of our conversations, too many of our mindsets are based on getting back to normal rather than pursuing what God has coming up for us. This whole passage is not just about remembering what God has done through Moses, but it's, it's fully about what God is going to do through Joshua, I think, church family, it's time to bury the mindset of getting back to normal and start to live through the mindset that the best is yet to come. So here's where we're going today. If you remember nothing else besides our scripture and this, we're good. But don't leave because I got a lot more. Please. Coffee's still hot. It'll be hot after church too. Here's, Here's our big idea. Resilience is born out of reliance. Resilience is born out of reliance. Biblical and lasting resilience is born out of a sold-out reliance on God. And here's the thing. Reliance is not born out of the podcast we recommend to 9 out of 10 friends. Resilience is not born out of the self-help book we just got for Christmas. Resilience is born out of a reliance on God the Father alone, leading his obedient children into his perfect plan to be a part of his perfect kingdom. We spend too much time putting too much pressure on things that are too small, and we think they're going to have a lasting impact and change and growth in our lives, and they're just not. And I don't mean to pick on podcasts or books. It's really more of what my heart has been wrestling through because as I was processing this, I was going, boy, how many conversations have I had this year where I have recommended a podcast or a book over the book? Justin, I'm having problems with my kid doing this. Well, here's a book. Here's an article to read. Justin, I'm trying to grow in this. Oh, here's a great podcast. You see, these are great and helpful tools. Podcasts, books, obviously there are great places for us to learn, but they are not substitutes for God's word, God's purpose, and God's plan. Resilience is born out of reliance on God and God alone. And that's what God is telling Joshua here. 
Our scripture today points out one foundational command and then three responsibilities that are given to Joshua, which I believe will provide us with a framework as we step into a new year and a new season. First, there is this foundational command found in verse 6. And if you've been in church before, you've probably gone through a study on this verse, or or maybe you've even memorized this passage before. But verse 6, God tells Joshua, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. This is the foundational command of what God is calling Joshua to. It's not a calling for the faint of heart. This is a foundational calling of one that is obedient to God, obedient to his plan and his purpose. This foundation is not just what God calls Joshua to, but it's what he calls you and I to as well. Be strong and courageous is a command and a calling that speaks directly to the fact that there are going to be events, circumstances, and battles that we are going to need to be strong and courageous through. Church, we're going to need to practice resilience no matter what this year looks like. God is speaking these words so that when, not if, but when life gets too busy, or our comfort is threatened, or we get overwhelmed, or life gets out of our control, we can run to the strength and courage of God rather than the weakness and fear that live inside of us. You see, weakness and fear are the opposites of strength and courage. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, we tend to practice these two attributes more than strength and courage. This command is not something cute to hang on the wall. This is a battle cry in anticipation of not just struggles and frustrations, but anticipation that Satan is going to do everything he can to disrupt, distract, and divide us away from God's plan and calling for our lives. If the last two years have taught us anything, it's that Satan will use anything to pull us away from the will of God. The last two years have taught us that our resilience will be tested. But even greater than that, our reliance on God will be tested as well. So God lays out for Joshua and and for us this morning three responsibilities that we have as Christ followers and and God followers to strengthen our resilience through reliance. Verse 7 says this, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Responsibility number one is that we need to have a fierce focus on the word of God. We need to have a fierce focus on the word of God, a fierce focus, a moment-by-moment commitment, a dedication, a discipline to God's word. God tells Joshua to be strong and very courageous as he is careful to do life according to the law that Moses commanded him. God says, do not turn from it. Don't look in those side mirrors. Don't don't look and see who's coming up next to you. Just keep that focus straight ahead. 
And I love the word that God uses here as a defining word for, with, with Joshua's approach to God's word. It's this word, careful. Did you see that in there? Did you see that in verse 7? Be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. I remember shopping with my parents when I was a little kid. And just about any store, oh, don't take that, don't, don't post that picture up yet. Just don't, don't, you didn't even see that. Don't worry about that picture. Don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain, right? That's what we do. But I remember shopping as a child when I was a kid with my parents, and just about every store we'd go into, I'd get a similar speech. Now, Justin, listen. Justin, right here. Justin Ross. Okay, middle name and me, got to come to attention here. We're going into a store. There's some fragile things in here. Be careful. Okay. Great. Now, I remember one specific time. Now you can put that picture up. My family took me to this store. If you can't see very well, it's, it's, uh, it's a store that's like different plates and dishes from the times past that my parents took me into in Princeton, Illinois. And I got a pretty stern talking to before we went into this store. Their entire store is these homemade shelves with Billions of fragile china and plates on it. And I got the, be careful, even more important, put your hands in your pockets. And it was like, okay, great. You know, but there's stairs through there, and they've got stuff sitting on the stairs. And I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Like, get a bigger store. Like, I mean, this is, clearly you can't, this is terrible. And I would... I would like to pass the blame off on my parents a little bit. Uh, I mean, who takes a clumsy 10-year-old Justin into a store like this? Uh, luckily, we only walked out with the dishes that mom needed and not the ones that I broke. Um, but I always would get that be careful speech. You see, this, this word for careful here in our passage means to keep, to guard, to to observe. You see, we need to keep God's word close in everything we do. We need to guard God's word in our hearts. We need to observe God's word in and through our lives. You see, when we're careful with scripture, it's not because scripture is fragile. No, no. Scripture is fierce. But when we're careful with scripture, we're paying close attention to the word of God and then transformation can start to take place. You see, the enemy of careful is careless. And if we're careless with Scripture, we've certainly not given it the attention it deserves. And carelessness of Scripture can take a lot of different shapes. Maybe a carelessness of Scripture is reading it out of obligation. Well, this is what good Christians do, and I want to be a good Christian. So I have to read my Bible. Or maybe carelessness of Scripture means that we only give our Bible a once-a-week workout here at church. Or, or maybe, maybe we use Scripture as an enhanced seek-and-find book. Anybody else ever do this? Where we take Scripture out of context and misuse it to prove our point? Where we're searching for more information, but not necessarily transformation. See, we have these tendencies to treat Scripture as just another book on our shelves rather than giving it the title it deserves, the living and active Word of God. This, this divine book, this book with capital T, Truth, 
this, this holy Bible, the word of God is constant. It does not change. But when we have a fierce focus on God's word, we will always change. God was issuing this call, this commissioning to Joshua to carefully have and hold on to this word that had come through Moses from God. And if Joshua was going to be strong and courageous, he must first have a strong and courageous grip on the word of God. Not turning from it to the right hand, to the left. But to be focused with an unbreakable reliance on God's word we are to be strong and courageous as we lean into this new year, this new season. We must have a fierce focus on God's word. Verse 8 says this, this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Responsibility number two is to not just focus on the word of God, but to internalize the word of God. To internalize the word of God. To take hold of it spiritually, emotionally, mentally. To make it the center of our life's curriculum to take the word of God and place it into every aspect of our lives. When we go to work, we take the word of God with us. When we're at our kids' sporting events or band concerts, we take the word of God with us. When we're at school, we take the word of God with us. When we are in our home, we take the word of God with us. What does it mean to internalize the word of God? Well, God gives Joshua two ways of internalizing the word of God. It shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night. You see, the word of God should not depart from our mouths. We should be speaking the word of God in every conversation, in every meeting, in every interaction that we have with others. When we talk about speaking with the word of God on our lips, we are not talking about trying to win the argument, but trying to win the heart. We're, we're not talking about getting our way, but showing others the way. We're, we're not talking about being overbearing with our words, but overwhelming with God's love. When we disagree with a coworker, we're speaking with the word of God on our lips. When we are disciplining our children, are we speaking with the word of God on our lips? When we are discussing with our spouse or friends, are we speaking with the word of God on our lips when we are typing emails, sending texts, or posting on social media? Are we speaking with the word of God on our lips? And if we're not, well, then we have allowed the word of God to depart, and we've allowed something much smaller to move in. Internalizing the word of God means to make sure that our speech matches the love and grace and truth of Scripture and of Christ. The word of God should also be meditated on day and night. The word used here for meditate means to speak it, to, to mutter it, to plot it out in our lives. It's a contemplation for the purpose of understanding. It's almost the process of taking your Bible and, and walking slowly and just repeating it 
over and over and over again, allowing it to just sit and simmer and marinate. Like whenever I was with the family ministry team, they hated that I used that word marinate. But I love that, right? It just gives us a chance for our minds and our bodies and our souls to be soaking in Scripture. If we are constantly and consistently meditating on God's word, then our lives will be transformed. Our attitudes will be changed. Our actions will look different. Our motivations will be in line with God's. This is not just about opening the Bible, finding a random place to start, but meditating on God's word is an intentional and careful practice to not only read the word of God, but to allow the word of God to read us. See, the enemy of meditating on Scripture is forgetfulness. Which is why, again, we hear God say to Joshua that meditating on the Word of God will lead to a carefulness that we live by. Careful that we keep the Word of God on our lips. Careful that we spend significant time allowing the Word of God to infiltrate our hearts, minds, and souls. God is speaking to Joshua about the importance of not just focusing on the Word of God, but internalizing the Word of God so that everything that Joshua says and does will not be of his own power, his own strength, and his own courage, but will be from his obedient reliance on God's power and God's strength and God's faithfulness. You see, our power, our strength, our courage runs dry very, very quickly. Must be reliant on God if we are going to have this lasting resilience as a part of our lives. We must not only look to Scripture, but we must be internalizing it, taking hold of it in our hearts, minds, and souls. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, we are to have a fierce focus on the Word of God. We are to internalize the Word of God. And now, responsibility number three is that we are to remember the presence of God. We are to remember presence of God. Now here God gives Joshua some final warnings, right? Be strong and courageous. Why? Because there are going to be circumstances that will challenge your strength and courage. Do not be frightened, but there's going to be some things that scare you a little bit. Do not be dismayed, even though there will be some things that will seem earth shattering, but be strong and courageous, not because you have all of the equipment to do that, but because I am with There are two really important words here in verse 9. And they happen to be standing right next to each other. It's amazing. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, the word is implies that God doesn't have to catch up. God is not off in the corner. God is not waiting for Joshua to mess up or to call out. God is simply walking next to Joshua. How many times over our lifetime have we needed to hear that? That God is not waiting, but he is next to us walking. God is next to us. He is next to you. That word is so critically important. 
because I think sometimes Satan just really wants us to feel like we're alone. Which leads to our second word, with, which tells Joshua that he is not alone. His steps are not alone. His actions are not alone. His words are not alone. His leading is not alone, but he goes with God. We desperately and deliberately need to be reminded of the presence of God in our lives. He is with you. He is with us. We need to remember that we do not move forward alone. We do not go out alone. We do not step into this new year alone. We do not walk alone into a new job. We do not step into this new season of life alone. We go forward with the God of the universe. Same God who spoke and the world was created. The same God who constantly uses imperfect people for his perfect plan. The same God who sent his only son, Jesus, to save us from ourselves and our sin. The same God who, who loves us unconditionally. The same God who, who gives grace upon grace. The same God who acts justly. The same God who is faithful and merciful. He goes with us. As if the law of Moses wasn't enough to give Joshua, God himself tells Joshua he will not lead out alone, but that he will lead out next to God. God is with us. God is with you. I don't know what this new year holds for any of us. I certainly have no idea what it holds for my family. I wouldn't know what it holds for yours. And some of us might be coming into this year with excitement and joy. Maybe last year wasn't terrible, wasn't the worst, but we're just going to build on it and have that positive energy going into this new year. There's an excitement. There's a joy. You are ready for it to happen. New Year's Eve was like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. Turn the page on 21. Let's go to 22. And then there's probably some of us that are leading in with a little bit of apprehension, anxiety. I have to imagine that Joshua had a little bit of all these feelings mixed together as well. His mentor, his leader, dies. And now he's given the responsibility to lead Israel into places that Moses didn't lead them. There's no playbook except God's. See, God gave this message to Joshua for a reason. He knew that Joshua would be tested. He knew that Joshua would go through hardships. He knew that Joshua would be enticed to veer from the word of God. God knew that Joshua would need to be close to the word of God and be reminded of the presence of God. I believe that God has given us that same message this morning. We're going to need to be resilient. We're going to need to be reliant going to need to be focused on God's word and God's presence because God has something for us. See, God's plan has not been paused because our plans were paused. 
We must believe that the best has not passed us by, but that the best is yet to come. Why? Because God's transformation is not behind us, it is in front of us. God's plan is not behind us, it is in front of us. Whether you are 5 or 95, God's plan for you is still in front of you. Because if you're not dead, God's not done. Heaven is not behind us, heaven's in front of us. We cannot come into a new year with old habits and expect things to change. We must come into this year with a strong and courageous grip on the word of God. And we must enter into this year with the reminder that we do not go forward alone, but that God is with us. Being strong and courageous is not about having it all together. It's not. Being strong and courageous is not about having it all together, but giving it all over. his word to infiltrate our hearts and allowing his presence to lead us toward his plan. As we close, I'd like to ask us all to stand. dreading this year because I know that while I don't know who holds, what, what this year holds I know that God holds on to me, God holds on to you and that God holds on to all of us that God's leading, His will are perfect but I do believe that this year we're going to need to be resilient and if we're going to be resilient people we must be reliant people. So I want to read verse 9 again. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.